reaction video straight to your inbox. We can help register you by calling 0300 302 1251. Let us make time each day to prepare for the Lord. Hello, this is Radio Maria, and this is Father Toby with your word for today. Um, and today the, the church keeps the, the memory of the Vietnamese um, martyrs. Um, the Universal Church, uh, those of St. Andrew Dung Lac, um, and mentions a couple of others. And uh, well, in my word for today, I'll get onto why it's a little bit different in the, uh, in the Dominican order and in other orders. But let's begin with today's gospel, which is taken from Luke chapter 19. Jesus went into the temple and began driving out those who were selling. According to scripture, he said, My house will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a robber's den. He taught in the temple every day. The chief priests and the scribes, with the support of the leading citizens, tried to do away with him. But they did not see how they could carry this out because the people as a whole hung on his words. So, as I said, today we honour the memory of the Vietnamese martyrs, well over a 100,000, and the exact figure may be much, much larger. But in the Dominican order, um, amongst all of these martyrs, we celebrate in particular the lives of those Dominicans, both religious uh, brothers and sisters and lay Dominicans, who joined their lives to Christ and took up their cross in the most profound way. Now, every order is a bit partisan. Every country, every family, in fact. And that's not a problem, because we find it easiest to conceive of emulating those who are most like us. We just shouldn't limit our view to those who are like us, otherwise we'll never get taken out of ourselves. So... I guess this is me saying it's okay to read the life of a Jesuit saint every now and then, just not too many. Now, obviously, you might have a Jesuit in the family and then it's different. But the important thing is that the martyrdoms are all relatively recent and the church in Vietnam is still growing rapidly, seeded by the blood of these martyrs. And in fact, Vietnam now has the largest number of lay Dominicans of any country in the world. Um, and, is a, and is a powerhouse of vocations. Um, and the Vietnamese diaspora have a hugely uh, positive um, effect um, across the, the world, particularly close to home for me as a half Australian. Um, the church in, in Australia uh, is yeah, so grateful for so many Vietnamese vocations. But as I said, it helps us to be particular. It helps us to hear not just about courage in general, but the courage of an actual person. That's why when I was giving a retreat at Downside School recently to the sixth form, there 
whilst I spoke about the virtue of courage in general in order to make it relatable for the boys and girls, I then had to give particular examples. And when we hear about courage, it helps to uh, hear the story of not of somebody who I'm nothing like, but something which seems plausible, um, something which seems like something I might emulate or the sort of situation that I might uh, be in. So in order to, to go from the universal idea of, uh, of martyrdom and the, and the great good, hopefully, that we recognize it to be, let's go now down to the particular and perhaps not how we typically imagine a martyr. Let's take the example of one of these Dominican martyrs who was a lay Dominican and an elderly magistrate. If you happen to be an elderly magistrate, then this might resonate particularly with you. But Dominic Cam Trong Pham um, was a magistrate born in 1780 in the province of Nam Dinh, North Vietnam. I suspect I've already made Vietnamese ears uh, cringe uh, several times with my pronunciations there. I might just keep it to Dominic for the remainder. I'm on safer ground with that. Um, but he was the eldest son of a wealthy family in the area and he was deeply um, impacted by the, the Christian upbringing that his parents gave him. And at the age of 18, he married another Christian woman and they had three sons and daughters together. Um, his eldest son also became a magistrate. He had two other sons, uh, um, a, one of whom was a priest and the other a layman. And they were also martyred around the same time as him. And Dominic was known for being a pious and devout Christian, living out his faith. And he would particularly would come to the defense of people whom, as a magistrate, he found were unjustly accused. And so he became known throughout the region as a kind and good judge. Now, when he retired at the age of, 18, of 79, the authorities started to raid um, the surrounding villages, um, to which one of which he had retired outside of the town, and they arrested him along with hundreds of other people suspected of being Christians. Now, in one of those sort of weird ways where sort of cruelty um, even sometimes has a little bit of compassion in it, because of his old age and well-regarded position, he was not subjected to quite the same degree of cruelty as the younger prisoners. But nonetheless, he was tortured and he refused to abandon his faith and he was known for being a great moral support to the other prisoners. And perhaps his prisoners hoped that by treating him more leniently, he would favour them um, and that would you know, experience sympathy to them and give up his faith and lead others into apostasy too. Maybe it just wasn't compassion for an elderly man, although I hope it, I hope it, it was that. Um, but in any event, it didn't work. And so finally, the governing official had had enough of Dominic's stubbornness and ordered his execution along with the other prisoners. And he was led to the execution site and given last rites by two fellow prisoners who were priests. Now, he was spared from being beheaded, um, but instead had to endure strangulation. And after a long and agonising time, we're told that he breathed his last breath, or rather, could breathe no more and could no longer support his body. And then the crowds um, cried out, uh, appalled by the cruelty that had been inflicted upon this elderly man. The soldiers, though unperturbed, then burned his hands and his face as an act of final humiliation, and the idea being that he would not reincarnate into the next life 
committing the same crimes against the country again. Now, pertinently, only a couple of years ago, the Dominican Order held its general chapter in Vietnam. General chapters are really big meeting of uh, um, representatives from each of the provinces every few years. And I remember our provincial Father Martin coming back and saying just how impressive he found the friars, sisters and lay Dominicans out there. A real sense of vitality, drive and warmth. But what also struck me was that he said that the, his fellow provincials um, were told that if they wanted to discuss anything vaguely political um, or anything about the spread of the faith in Vietnam, then they should do so outside away from the conference center buildings that they were staying in because there was a very high risk that all these buildings would have been bugged. These are still the conditions that our brothers and sisters work in under Vietnam and these are the conditions in which the church is thriving. And so my question to pose to each of us is whether our private conversations if heard by others would convict us of being Christian and of desiring to spread the gospel? Would someone who desired the suppression of the gospel be at all threatened by even our thoughts in private? And on the subject of thoughts in private, perhaps let's pray today for the white martyrs in this country, by which I mean not skin colour, but martyrs who have not shed their blood, but have nonetheless been persecuted for their proclamation of the faith. There have been a number of people arrested lately in this country for Christian thought crime. That is for praying in silence, with no visible signs of prayer or literature or placards in the vicinity of abortion clinics. Our thoughts and prayers should be with them, and our thoughts and prayers should be their thoughts and prayers. We cannot properly be horrified by what was done to St. Dominic, fam, and not be moved by the loss of so much innocent life, so much closer to home. Let's now listen to The Lord's My Shepherd, sung by the choir of King's College. Sorry, a slight glitch there. It's not The Lord's My Shepherd, it's Beatus Laurentius by the Montreal Studio of Ancient Music. I'm not sure what happened there.
we desperately need more donations to keep broadcasting and to 